Hello and welcome to the Booktopia podcast. It's a podcast about books and the brilliant people who read them and write them. My name's Ben Hunter. I'm Booktopia's fiction category manager. I'm here today with Joe Lewin, Booktopia's head of trade books. Hi, Joe. Hey, Ben. And today we're going to be interviewing Claire Thomas. Uh, she's a Melbourne-based writer. Her acclaimed first novel was uh, The Fugitive, uh, Fugitive Blue. It was long-listed for the Miles Franklin Award. Claire has a PhD from University of Melbourne and she teaches literary studies and creative writing. Her new novel has been listed as one of the most anticipated books of 2021. It's called The Performance. Welcome to the Booktopia podcast, Claire. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. Um, Joe and I have both really enjoyed reading this book. It's one of those um, small, not tiny, but small but potent novels that packs so much in. It's all set over one night uh, in which three women separately watch a play. Um, but it's not just any play and it, they're not just any women and it's not just any night, uh, is it, Claire? It's something much more potent than that. Well, yes, potentially. Um, there <laughs> is we there is a bushfire developing on the outskirts of the city as these women arrive at the theatre. Um, and so there's, there's that sort of literal and metaphorical kind of threat looming throughout um, the novel. But it takes place as they're at, at the beginning of the play and it, and it ends as the play um, is completed. And um, there are varying degrees of um, distraction around what's happening outside. Some of them are very ensconced in the moment inside the theatre. Um, but yes, it's a, it's an unusual night for that reason. <laughs> yeah, it, it certainly it's, is. It's beautiful the way with the bushfire raging outside um, and they all come in from the bushfire. And, and I guess with the exception of one of the characters who's got a real personal connection to the bushfires, for everyone mm. else within the theatre, it's really like an, uh, an oasis of like... Yes calm and cool and thinking of something other than the world being on fire. Yes, and, and that's also got its problems in that there's this little bubble of air-conditioned privilege that they can kind of encapsulate themselves inside and they're able to um, mm. turn away from certain realities. Mm. Um, so I was kind of wanted to play with that idea as well and, and one of them particularly... Um, Margot, the older woman of the three, um, she complains about being too cold, the air conditioning's, you know, annoying her and then she's got a tickly throat because it's it, because of the cold air and, and it's this weird kind of disconnect between mm. the, um, the cultural experience and what's happening outside and, yeah, it permeates a lot for one of them, as you say. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Margot in particular, I, you... you, you you start with Margot in, in a in a strong way and that really resonated with me, Claire, this idea of um, going into the theatre and entering, you know, the lights go down and you enter this kind of um, hypersensitive meditation mm -hmm. almost, um, especially mm -hmm. when you're in a packed out playhouse. Um, there's the sounds of the people around you, um, uh, an itchy throat or the feeling of a handbag bundled in your lap can just become so much 
greater than yes. you would ever. It just takes on a real significance um, in the, the sort of bubble life of an audience member. Um, well, uh, yeah, yeah, go on, go on. No, I was going to say, I kind of the thing about the theatre is it forces them to sit there, you know. Yeah. So I guess I could have written something similar if someone had just sat down at their kitchen table and thought for a while. But um, I wanted the, the device of the theatre. Um, yeah, it both encloses them and, and, you know, isolates them, but then also it frees their minds because they're, they're there and they can, they yeah. can watch what's going on or they can just, um, you know, they can go anywhere. intellectually and and the stuff with the other people that was um always uh something that I really was interested in because it's such a false sort of intimacy sitting in a theater like that and you're so close and um you know you're absolutely not watching the same thing you know you don't you have no idea how the person next to you is perceiving it or you know why they're behaving in the way that they are if they're if they're laughing or crying or Mm. Yeah, I mean, Margot is perceiving a woman in a mound and her marriage. And, you know, Ivy is perceiving a woman in in a mound and, you know, her her career and the changes that have happened over her life. And Summer is almost not in the theatre at all. Yeah, she's either, yes, she's kind of, everything's extremely heightened for Mm. for Summer. Um, And... Yeah, so she's she kind of fluctuates from being absolutely fixated to what's going on, um, and then yeah, as you say, it's almost like it's almost like Margot and Ivy for them it's an escape and it's a freedom from everything else that's going on in their life, and for for Summer it's almost like a prison. You know, there's so many other things that she needs to be doing and she has right. to be there. Yeah, and she can't communicate with the person she wants to communicate with properly. So again, it's that sort of sense of entrapment. Um, that can work in different ways. Um, yeah. Claire, can you talk to us about your own experiences of the theatre? Is it a big part of your life? Um, where do you like to go? What do you like to watch? <laughs> I would say it, as an audience member, I love going to the theatre honestly I find it financially quite prohibitive to go a lot um but I try to go um you know sometimes um and I did a lot of acting when I was younger um and before that I did a lot of dance I was a ballet dancer as a kid and so I um yeah so I, i'm maybe more comfortable on the stage than looking at the stage but well in terms of my experiences but i definitely um think that theater it has got really extraordinary and kind of precious qualities that i um that i've sort of touched on already in terms of that the intimacy and the 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 precariousness of it you just have no idea what's going to happen on stage or beside you know with the people if there's just a whole lot of people in a room and you know what could go wrong um yeah um and the the play that um these three women are watching Mm. is is happy days by samuel beckett the famous absurdist Mm -hmm. uh and his his plays are unique (laughs) um why why have you chosen this play and um and what's, what's significant about that? 
Um, look, there are a couple of reasons why I chose this play. One of them was a sort of a pragmatic crafty one, which was about, it, it's quite, the, the setup is so incredibly strong and uh, the business of the play is very clear. You know, it's just, and the, you know, it's essentially one woman and, and then a man. So it's, it's very easy to explain. I didn't want it to be complicated um, theatrically that, um, so there was that, but also I, I've seen this play. It, I thought it was incredible. Um, it's got so much in it and I, I kind of was able to just pull out little tiny bits from it and do whatever I wanted with them. I feel there's so much in the play. There's so much language. There's so many ideas. There's, there's so many directions that Winnie's uh, speech sort of goes in um, that I feel you, someone else could write a completely different novel centred around mm. the same play. It's sort That's of like... That's right. Whereas if the, play was a very, if the play was a very literal, yes. um, straightforward story, straightforward right. narrative, it makes it very difficult to adapt to everybody and yes. to apply to everybody. That's right. And different... Um, yeah, so there were so many different aspects of it that were able to resonate and kind of trigger things with each of them. Um, yeah. And I also just think that central concept of a woman buried in a mound of earth um, is so incredibly rich as, you know, an image and a metaphor, obviously <laughs> I've certainly used it. <laughs> Yeah, certainly. Um, <laughs> uh, in terms of other influences, uh, what do you like to read? Um, who are your big uh, novel influences? I thought you might ask me that. Mm. And I've got, look, I go through phases. I'm, um, rec maybe I'll just talk about what I've been doing recently. Mm. Um, I've been going in a bit of a kind of intense French vein so um annie erno like little tiny perfectly formed um emotional books by french women it's a branch of thing i'm interested in um i read unquiet by lynn ullman recently which was fascinating um as well i love um valeria luiselli um mexican american writer um, God, I, I feel like Sigrid Nunez and Ali Smith. I really oh yeah feel and Louis Sally was that the Lost Children archive? Yes, was that, that, novel? that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. And then I read that, and then I've gone back and read all her others because I was, I just thought that was so um, formally exciting as well as emotionally incredibly effective. Um, yeah. I mean, I could go on forever about. Books, but so could we. yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> mm. Occupational hazard, huh? Yes. Well, no, it's great. <laughs> we wouldn't want it any other way. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't handle it any other way. So, how does it feel? I guess for for people who missed it at the beginning, you also teach creative writing at university level. How does um, it feel? Um, is that sorry? Is that correct? Well, I was going to say, I think we, I think we're at the past tense of that now. I'm oh, edging, okay. I'm edging away. Edging away. Mm. Good for you. Yeah. How does it feel um, 
you know, having critiqued so many other people's work, having mm. to apply that same uh, discipline to your own? Um, look, there, were, there was quite a while there where I had convinced myself that I was a professional reader, not a writer. Like I'm, a, I'm good at reading properly. Mm. And because that's what I was doing all the time. And, um, but I think I'm, I'm pretty good at, oh, I don't know. I don't want to sort of sound too conceited here, but I feel like I was, I I turned my own hypercritical eye to my Mm. own work and it was an arduous process, but I, you know, there's a reason why it's been a long time. Yeah. Um, but I knew I, I think I trust my judgment mm. and I trusted my judgment when I was writing and working on this book too. Um, mm. So I had a strong um, clarity and around that stuff. I don't find it difficult to cut things and change things yeah. and make calls about that. Yeah. Once I knew what I, once I got into the, once I had momentum, and knew what mm. I was doing and had the voices and it, the, the whole yeah. thing. And I think that really comes across, Claire. I mean, there's not, um, there's not an extra word, there's not an extra thought or an extra plot twist in this that isn't essential to the character development and the plot. Oh, um, thank you. you can really see the, the care and attention that's gone into making every phrase relevant. Yeah, I like... Um, distilled language Mm. I like um, and there's a lot of reasons why I made those sorts of choices for this particular book Um, but yeah you you also you also just go a long way with not a lot of action (laughs) no there's no action I mean yeah yeah that's the thing it's there it's literally all going on in their heads and that was the challenge I suppose because they're to create any kind of narrative um, momentum or just, you know, intellectual mobility or anything because it is, it, um, yeah. But I think it's that kind of paradoxical aspect of being stuck but then being free to think about anything. Yes. And that, and that brings me back to Beckett again, mm. <laughs> right? Yep. It's, that, um, it's that glory of, of how much the, the viewer can, can bring to the work. Um, Definitely. Yeah, and they've all got different relationships with the play. You know, one, you know, one of them's quite a fan, a Beckett fan, and has done the sort of, you know, the literary tourism stuff. She's gone to his grave and his house, and um, and then Summer sort of was a bit shocked when she saw the play because she thought Beckett was just all old, crusty old men complaining about being alive. Is I think something that she says. Um, and then Margot, who's older and is a literature professor is quite dismissive of Beckett really. Mm. But yet the, the play still works on her in some way. It certainly does. Yeah. Um, uh, something I also that sort of has been ringing in my head reading this. Is, and I, I imagine this book has, has been a lot more than one year in the making. Um, but it, it, it strikes me as no happy accident that uh, a novel that is incredibly interior and about the isolated inner worlds of mm. women. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, to, to think of that novel being worked on uh, during the lockdowns of the last 12 months, uh, do, do you think 
that the pandemic has affected your work and not just in a practical sense, but like in terms of the kind of novel you've created? Um, to be honest, it's kind of going to have more of an impact for future stuff. I was very Ooh. much at the point of, I'm not going to write a pandemic novel. It's okay. Don't worry. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I was quite a long way along. I think with this, I was just, it, yeah, I, I, we were, we were doing very final, we we're at final stages and, um, I actually had very little solitude and in the interior life during the pandemic because I've got too many children <laughs> and I had, I was like, I couldn't have any time alone in a room, you know? So, um, it was almost like this magical memory of, um, having a train of thought, you know? Mm. Um, but I was also, I think it's, I think the pandemic, will have an impact on the way the book's read because I think certain things like just theatre, like we haven't still haven't got that back in Melbourne in the same way. Um, and just that weirdness of being so close to people and like mm. someone coughing or breathing or you can smell them, you know, all mm. that stuff is that, that seems odder now. I think once we're all so hyper aware of our kind of um, personal boundaries and, and that's something that I really, um, want it there's a lot of kind of play around that idea in the book about like what's contained and what's not and yeah and but also um, the idea of how how um what a wonderful privilege it is to go to the theater mm -hmm. and you know some it's it's a an art form that we need to treasure we've had you know 12 yes. months without it yes um and yes. you know Reading that book, I was like, oh, yeah, remember that? Yes. That was nice, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It, it seems, yeah, there's a nostalgic aspect that mm. I certainly didn't know was going to be there when I was writing it. But, um, yeah, it is a, a, a special and unique kind of experience um, that can't be replicated by a recording on, you know, of, a, of, a, of an actor sort of talking mm. to a screen. I mean, it's a di very different. Kind of thing. It's the energy in the room, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And yes, that's everything. That's everything with theatre. Yeah. Can you allude to um, uh, these future projects? Uh, uh, can you uh, illuminate us on, on those um, in any way, shape, or form? Oh, I'm very not clear. Uh, I was very, I was very far along. Well, I sh yeah, I was very far along with with the next thing, and I ditched the whole project just recently. Because there was Ouch. something else. No, it was great. I was like, oh, oh stuff oh, that. Congratulations. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's because I've got a better, a better thing that I'm finding much more. Um, yeah, I was just like, no. So I've, I'm doing something completely different now, but I'm very excited. But um, yeah, it's still, yes, I'm sorry, I'm being very vague. My, I, I was having this conversation with my US publisher the other day and I couldn't even come up with an adjective about the next project. It's like, just any adjective <laughs> like um <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> there's there's so much anticipation about this book mm -hmm. uh the performance uh and there's a, a lot of um endorsements coming out people are yeah. uh, as, as saying how, how uh uh exhilarated they have been by this this small novel uh there's comparisons to Charlotte Wood, which I think are really obvious um, structurally and in terms of the, the um, mood and the, the level of wit at which you 
exhibit and you run. Um, who do you think is the ideal person to read this book, Claire? Oh, wow. Um, any intelligent human. I was going to say woman, <laughs> but then I thought, hang on, I'm talking to you. So yeah. um, I definitely was writing with smart women in my mind. That was the only people I was really going to. And if it moves beyond those boundaries, that's fine. <laughs> um, but I think because it's got a 20-something and a 40-something and a 70-something, um, that wasn't a deliberate kind of um, pledge to be marketable. But I, I feel like that will have, it does have that kind of cross-generational mm. appeal. Um, and I, I hope that readers will be able to come at it from lots of different sort of um, directions. And I don't think you need to know a single thing about the play, for example, or if you did know a lot about the play, that would add another layer. So I think, yeah. Um, the two, I've dedicated the book to my two best friends and I'd say they were my ideal readers. And um, they've been pleased. I've got, I've had, I've had positive feedback from them. So I'm like, okay, well, that's fun. My job here is done. They yeah. were the two people that I uh, really wanted to um, write it for. And so, yeah. That's so if you were, if you were thinking when you were writing that yeah. you were writing for intelligent women. Yep. Um, do you think the book is women's fiction? Do you think women's fiction is still a thing? Oh, God. Um, yes, because men are less interested in women's consciousness. And, I mean, that's a huge generalisation. I don't really like any such terms. And, I no, I mean, it's about human beings. But hmm. the, the fact of their womanhood is a big part of the, their lived experiences. And um, we, there's not, we're not in some sort of post world where that's not true unfortunately yeah. um and so i don't think it's in a sort of subcategory and i'm very very happy to welcome male readers as well absolutely that's what <laughs> i was kind of alluding to because and to i have me, had some positive things from yeah. Male yeah yeah and to me the idea of clever men reading more books like this uh yep helps to make them better absolutely it helps to make well the men better. Oh, this, okay. this is good. Of course, he's already wonderful. Oh, well, he's an unusual. I think it's because he's read so much Charlotte yes. Wood. Yeah. And Claire Thomas now. Um, and Claire Thomas. Uh, um, no, you're, you're absolutely right, Joe. And um, I, I, I would definitely recommend this book for blokes as well as yes. women and everyone. Um, I just think it's glorious, and I. I'm thrilled for you. I can't wait for people to read this thing. I'm happy to be selling Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. That's lovely. Yeah, I think that I'm, I'm really looking forward to this getting all of the critical acclaim it oh. deserves. We're, we're so behind this one for you. Thank you. Yes, it's a, it's a clever book that has um, a lot to connect with. Um, Claire, thank you for spending some time with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, the performance is published by Hachette and you can buy it and all of Claire's books at booktopia.com.au.
Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au. Thank you.